everybody, and welcome into today's show. It is Monday, June 29th. Uh, thank you for starting your week off with me. We've got a jam-packed show. We've got three great topics, um, and then we're, we're getting back into tier time. We'll go to tier time and do a college football edition of that, college football teams. Um, I've got Tigers. They named 58 players in their player pool. Uh, it's filled with 60 team, uh, 60 players. They only named 58. As soon as that Spencer Torkelson deal gets done, he'll be added to that list, we hope. Um, but I've got two bigger topics on the agenda to start the show. I've got the Red Wings getting snubbed and then Cam Newton to the Patriots. So we're going to start with the Red Wings. We're going to start with Detroit. Seems fair to start with that topic uh, to lead off the show today. And it's more or less that the Red Wings just didn't get snubbed, okay? Uh, The NHL made a joke of themselves. And this is why I'm starting the show today, because it really touches the heart of these uh, Detroit fans, of Red Wing fans. I think the NHL noticed or NHL fans, reporters, kind of noticed how ugly this looked as well. The Red Wings got snubbed, and it's not even close. So I don't want to applaud Roger Goodell, Rob Manfred, uh, because they have looked like the worst commissioners in sports you know, over the last couple of years. Rob Manfred as of late, Roger Goodell over you know the span of four or five years now. But here's the thing. They get their drafts right. The number one team in their leagues get the number one pick and so on and so forth. So on Friday night, uh, the NHL draft lottery, uh, the league made a mockery of themselves. Gary Bettman looked like a fool. All the owners, it just, it's a, it was a terrible situation. Uh, and the lottery is... It failed. The lottery failed. Simple. It failed. The Detroit Red Wings were the worst team in the league. By far. By 23 points. The Detroit Red Wings finished at the stoppage with 39 points. The next team in line was the Ottawa Senators with 62 points. So yeah, you want to say, but there was 11 games left. So let's put those 11 games into the mix. So what, the Red Wings are not the 42 points, 41, 42 points, maybe 43. Let's say Ottawa wins a game. Maybe they don't. Still 20, 19, 20 points behind that next best team in the league. That's still a hell of a lot of points. That's still, oh my God, you're so far behind. But yet a team that is going to get to play hockey a team that is going to be in the qualifying round. They get the number one pick. Seems like a joke to me. The Detroit Red Wings had a 50% chance to land the fourth overall pick and an 18.5% chance to land the number one pick. And what did they do? They landed the fourth pick. But shouldn't those percentages be switched? Shouldn't the worst team in the league by 23 points have a 50% chance to land the first overall pick, and then an 18.5% chance to land that fourth overall pick. So hopefully, obviously, they 50% chance to be in the middle. You know, 
and it obviously goes, maybe it's 40 for the second. Those percentages should be higher as the higher pick because you were the worst team in the league by 23 points. That makes zero sense about uh, you had a higher percentage to get a worse pick, even though you're the worst team in the league by 23 points. It doesn't seem right, does it? How this draft lottery system works doesn't seem right. It's not logical. There's a simple answer uh, on how the draft lottery works. Well, if the worst team, you get a higher percent chance than everybody else. But the answer is dumb. It's a simple answer, but the answer is dumb. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Qualifying teams shouldn't have even been considered for this draft lottery. Shouldn't even been in the mix last night. Or I'm sorry, on Friday night. Shouldn't even been in the mix. But yet they were. And I, I, I can't fathom why. A team that's going to be in, the, you know, they're calling it the qualifying round, but you get to play hockey, you get a chance to go win the Stanley Cup. A team could lose in, what, uh, game five? I don't know. They might be doing a game seven. Maybe those are game fives. I don't know. But you get to go one game away from in the actual playoffs to you lose that game. Oh, but you get the number one pick. You were this close to being in the playoffs, you know, one game away, 20 minutes away, maybe one shot. You're technically, maybe you're going to be one shot away from being in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're going to give you the best player in the 2020 draft. That. Could be, could be a generational talent. Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem fair. Now, I know life isn't fair and, and you know, uh, you know, we can complain about, oh, well, life isn't fair, so suck it up. Still not the point. The, the logic, the reasoning, it's just not there from the NHL. And this is why draft lotteries fail. Draft lotteries are the worst. The, the NHL has had a draft lottery. They adopted it in 1995. So there have been 25 draft lotteries. Guess how many times the last place team in the league got the number one pick? Take a guess. If you didn't read my blog, you you know, take a guess. Six. Only six times has the worst team in the league received the number one pick in the NHL. Out of 25. If that doesn't tell you the system is broken, I don't know what will. So, you know, it's brutal. Only six times out of 25 has the worst team in the league received the number one pick. I I mean, come on, guys. The system is broken and and that's the evidence is right here. Right here. Gary Bettman became the commissioner of the NHL in 1993, just two years later. The NHL adopted the worst draft system possible. Now, I know people are going to give me, well, guess what? Steve Eiserman was the fourth overall pick. Cal McCarr was the fourth overall pick. I don't care. I wanted Lafreniere. And it doesn't matter that we're not getting Lafreniere. It's that the NHL is just a complete joke. If the Red Wings got the second or third pick, we could be upset about it, but there is nothing to argue. But now, 
we have the fourth overall pick, even though we were the worst team in the league by 23 points. We don't even have a top three pick. And that number one, t- that number one pick is going to go to a team with an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup. Obviously, I understand they will lose in that qualifying round, but it doesn't matter. You get an opportunity to go play for the Stanley Cup, and you get the number one pick. It just the system's broken. Um, if you didn't get a chance to read my blog or don't know where it's at, uh, type go to Safari, go to Google, type in the Jacob Cox Show WordPress.com, all one. Um, you'll see the podcast to today's show. Scroll past that, and you'll see a blog on the draft lottery system is broken, uh, written by me. Uh, you know, I was very upset. And maybe I'm a homer. Maybe I am a, a, a you know, a homer about this situation. Um, but I think everyone can agree that a qualifying team should not have the number one pick. And the Red Wings got screwed out of that pick. They really did. I just, that it doesn't make sense to me. How can a team that has an opportunity to go win a Stanley Cup uh, be rewarded with Alex Lafreniere? I, Lafreniere is sweet. And the Red Wings will pick a good guy, a, a very good player at number four. And he will be a contributor to this lineup within a year or two, maybe three years. Who knows? Depends who they, you know, depends who they pick. But we need a superstar and you might not get a superstar at fourth overall. Now I do trust Steve Eisman before we go into, oh my God, I'm so upset because this draft blows now. That's not what I'm saying. I believe Steve Eisman is going to select uh, the best player at number four, the right player at number four. And it's going to work out. It's going to be successful. And we'll look back on this and be like, well, we, we it doesn't matter now because we got a very good NHL player that we all love here in Detroit. Uh, you know, that's that I hope and I believe, uh, you know, Steve Eiserman can do that for us. I believe that is uh, possible. But this player we select at number four might be. Uh, under Lafreniere when we look back on this 10 years from now. 10 years from now, we're going to say Lafreniere is a better player than whoever we selected at number four. You know, those odds are higher. The odds of of hitting big is better at number one than number four. That's obvious. And like I said, I could have accepted the Red Wings getting a two or three slot. But falling out of the top three when you were the worst team in the league by 23 points is very upsetting. It's 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 terribly upsetting. That's all I've got for you. I mean, suit yourself. Like maybe maybe you just like ah screw the Red Wings. You know some people don't like hockey. Some people just it is what it is. It doesn't matter to them. They laugh about this. Their favorite player Sidney Crosby. Yet they live in the state of Michigan. I. They don't like Sidney Crosby because everyone else hates him. I'm sorry, they do like Sidney Crosby because everyone else hates him. There are those people. And those people, I would say, you know what? Fine. But you can't tell me that you agree that a qualifying team, a team that has an opportunity to win this Stanley Cup, deserves the number one pick. 
This is the Jacob Cack Show. We will be right back. Alrighty, welcome back in. Um, Cam Newton is going to be a New England Patriot. How do we feel? Well, let me tell you. Cam Newton signed a one-year deal worth $75 million at about 8 o'clock on Sunday night. But then only 20 minutes later, the New England Patriots were fined $1.1 million. And they lost their third-round pick for filming the Bengals' sideline just a couple of years ago. So those two things are totally unrelated. Uh, But, you know, it's funny. Now, I'm not a Patriot hater. Now, I know a lot of people just hate the Patriots because everybody else loves the Patriots. Sorry, I'm not one of those guys. That's just not who I am. I've lo- I love Tom Brady uh, when he was in New England. I, and, you know, I rooted for the Patriots a little bit in the Super Bowl and those types of games. But now, now I don't root for the Patriots. And no, I didn't become a Buccaneer fan just because Tom Brady's there. I'm just no longer going to defend, defend the New England Patriots. Do I believe they fill in the Bengals' sideline? Yes, I do. Bottom line. But let's talk about this Cam Newton thing. Okay. Let's, let, let's, let's dive in. Cam Newton doesn't make uh, this Patriots team better. He doesn't. Now, is he better than Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham? Okay, I, I'm going to give you that. I don't know what Jarrett Stidham is in the NFL. And I do know what Brian Hoyer is in the NFL. I do. Everyone has seen it. But Cam Newton, we've all seen him in the NFL, and he is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the league. Cam Newton is overrated. He had one good season in the NFL. One MVP season. They went to the Super Bowl and lost. What have we seen since that Super Bowl? Injuries, turnovers, bad quarterback play, and the Panthers being terrible. Am I wrong? Someone please tell me, am I wrong on that statement? Because I'm not. And if you have an argument about that, about that statement, please let me know. let's, Let's have that conversation. Cam Newton has is a one hit wonder. People that are saying Joe Burrow is a one-hit wonder. He had one good college season. He's going to be a bust in the NFL. It's legitimately Cam Newton's resume. He had one good season at Auburn. He came to the NFL, had one good season, and then disappeared. Now, people want to, okay, injuries. Yeah, he's been hurt a lot. I That's factual. But let's talk about his play on the field. He doesn't run like he used to. He doesn't throw the ball like he used to. He hasn't won a division since they went to the Super Bowl. He's getting blown out left and right. He's got Christian McCaffrey on his team now and lost the starting job. He lost the starting job. I mean, you got, let's have an argument here that Cam Newton is going to ultimately continue the dynasty of the Patriots. The Patriots still have no weapons. 
They don't. That offense is still bad. If Tom Brady can't take that offense and win a crap ton of games, you really think Cam Newton's going to? Like, this is virtually the same offense, uh, roughly, roughly, that Cam Newton had. If not worse. Okay? Tom Brady took this offense and did the bare minimum, and it was good enough. But now this offense is a little bit worse, and Cam Newton's the quarterback. You think he's winning games? You think he's going to take him to the Super Bowl? You think he's going to take him to the playoffs? No. This Patriot team's going to go 8-8 eight and eight at most. People are freaking out right away. Oh, my God, the dynasty is going to continue. Those people who bet the under on the win totals for the Patriots, oh, they, they, they're going to try to change that pick. They're going to go to the over. The people who said the Bills are going to own the division this year, they're going to try to change that pick. Stop. The Bills are still winning the division, and the Patriots are going 8-8. Eight and eight. That's it. You can't convince me otherwise. Cam Newton? Really? Cam Newton is going to convince me that he's going to do a better job with this offense than Tom Brady did? The guy who can barely stay healthy for a full season? The guy who's had one good season in the league? He's had one bright year since he left Auburn, and he lost the Super Bowl to Peyton Manning, who was on his last leg? I mean... Come on. If you think Cam Newton is going to just turn this Patriots team around, continue that dynasty, let's talk. Let's have the conversation that we need to have, that you need to have, because your opinion is dead wrong. Dead wrong. Cam Newton. Now, obviously, uh, the Patriots signing him to a uh, one-year deal tells you pretty much all you need to know. You know. Um, you know, the Patriots realize how bad this could go. The Patriots realize, you know, maybe uh, he's just here to be a placeholder for a year to see what happens. Uh, you know, the, the Patriots, a lot of talk has been, oh, my God, they're going to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Well, it's quite obvious they're not going to take for tank for Trevor Lawrence anymore. You know, because that just becomes idiotic if you sign Cam Newton to try. Like, it, it, this signing of Cam Newton is at least them attempting to win the division to be a relevant team. I mean, right? That's that attempt. But in 2019, he was 0-2. 2018, 6-8. So... Looking at at um, the stats for Cam Newton, right? Let's see. He was selected to the Pro Bowl three times, which is pretty good. 2011, 15. Uh, 2011, 2013, 2015. But since 2015, 6 and 8. Oh, they went 11 and 5. Woo, 11-5 and five. seems like a good season. Cam Newton threw 16 interceptions and only 22 touchdowns. Right? The year they went 15-1, and one, Cam Newton threw 10 interceptions, 35 touchdowns. That's the big number. But 
when they made that playoffs at 11 and 5, he only threw 22 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. Career, uh, uh, not career high in interceptions. 2011, he threw 17. Okay. This guy is a turnover machine. He's thrown double-digit picks in every season he's played in, except 2019 when he only started two games. His QB rating in 2018 was 55. In 2015, when they went 15-1, and it was 67. Career high. But since then, 48, 53, and 55. One hit wonder. One hit wonder. Cam Newton is not that good of a quarterback. He is overrated. Completion percentage. After that great season, his completion percentage was 52.9. Then it was 59.1. Inconsistent. Turnovers. Health. Too many question marks to make me think Cam Newton is capable of of continuing this Patriots dynasty. Serious. I just... I don't know. I mean, you guys tell me here. I don't know how you guys see this working out. Now, I'm not going to dive into the whole Bengals filming sideline thing because that's that's the irrelevant topic today. The irrelevant... The, I'm sorry. The irrelevant topic is idiotic sport, sports fans thinking that Cam Newton is the key that the Patriots are missing heading into 2020. Really? You think... I know it's Bill Belichick, guys. We think Bill Belichick is some uh, Super Bowl uh, super, uh, football genius that just no one else can do what he does. I get, I will give you that. He's a one. He's probably the best coach in the NFL. But Cam Newton, something that Bill Belichick can't turn into wins. Sorry, Bill Belichick is not going to win with this team, eight and eight. And if he does, I'll tip my cap and say I was wrong. But here's the thing: I'm not going to be wrong about this. It's not ignorance for me saying that. I'm not being ignorant or arrogant or. or Smart ass. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not being that guy. I'm simply saying Cam Newton's a one-hit wonder. And if you think that this means the dynasty's gonna continue, you're in La La Land. Straight up. Tom Brady could barely win with this team last year. They got to the playoffs because the other, you know, uh, the Bills were a joke for the first half of the season. If the Bills were relevant that first half. The Patriots wouldn't have won the division. Look at the standings. Look at the, look at the, week by week. If the Bills weren't a joke in the first half. They would have won the division. Okay. Tom Brady could barely win with this team. He left. That offense got worse. And you think Cam Newton's somehow going to fix it and make this team so much better? Tom Brady couldn't do it. With this offense, and now you think Cam Newton can? Sorry, you're crazy. We'll be right back. 
Alrighty, folks, it is tier time in the college football landscape. I've got three tiers. Obviously, uh, not going to be able to touch on every single team in college. Um, but I've got the uh, top teams. And I need people to bear with me here, okay? Because LSU is in a category of... Uh, the championship teams. Now, uh, I don't believe LSU is a one-hit wonder. Okay, uh, those of you who think that, I think uh, you're, you know, you're a joke. Joe Burrow was what ten and three his first year. They went to a very good bowl game. Yeah, I understand they played UCF and lost. But this Ed Orgeron's a great head coach. So I've got championship contenders always there, but never wins. You could probably guess the two teams that are there. And then I've got one win away. I've got 12. I'm sorry. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 teams. I've got 11 teams to pick from. And I'll tell you this. I will make everyone a promise. Okay. These 11 teams will be the only teams to make the college football playoff for the next six years. Because I saw a... a um, Maybe it was just a, a tweet on Twitter um, about, you know, uh, these teams will be the only teams to make the playoff for the next six years. And there was a lot of teams missing. And there was a lot of absurd teams on the list. Might have been CBS's people. But here's the thing. I've got 11 teams here. They will hold all four playoff spots. For the next six years, no one new will come in. I don't care about head coaching changes or upsets. It's these 11. I promise you that. Any combination. Championship contenders. We obviously have Clemson. I obviously have Alabama. I have Ohio State. And I told you earlier, I had LSU. So those are my four teams. My championship contenders. Every single year you are in that consideration. My next segment, my next tier, tier down, is always there but never win. Okay? Teams that are always in that consideration, but even if you get there, we know you're not going to win the national championship. First guess, Oklahoma. You're right. Second guess should be Georgia, and I would say you were right. I've got Georgia and Oklahoma in that always there but never win tier. And then one win away. Each year you can look back at, hey, this game, we win that one, we're in. Michigan, Penn State, Oregon, Notre Dame, and Florida. Let's take a trip back. Michigan beats Ohio State, they're in. Penn State beats Ohio State, they're in. Oregon uh, doesn't slip up to an average Pac-12 team, they're in. Notre Dame, you always find a way to slip up, whether it's to USC or Texas or uh, just Navy. You don't slip up. You go 12-0. and 0, You get that playoff bid. You shouldn't, and I, I would beg the playoff committee not to let you in at 12-0 and 0 because you're not in a conference, but you'd get in. Florida, you beat Georgia, you are in. Those teams are one win away, and they're in the playoff. Then there's everybody else. Don't give me anything about Florida State. They're a joke. Willie Taggart, uh, not Willie Taggart, 
uh, Mike Norville ain't turning that place around. They might be relevant, but they're not going to be playoff contenders. He got already off on the wrong foot. Next take, Texas. Look, I believed in Tom Herman when he first got the job, but he hasn't done jack to make me think he's ever going to turn that place around into a playoff contender. They can win the Big 12. They probably should have already won the Big 12. They can do that. Playoff contenders? Now, I I think USC's got to get rid of Clay Helton before they become that team. Really do. Washington's got to rebuild. Washington State's got to rebuild. UCLA's a joke. Give me some other teams. Mike Gundy's not winning at at, at Oklahoma State. Lane Kiffin just took over Ole Miss. Mike Leach just took over Mississippi State. You guys got other teams? Auburn? Maybe. Maybe you could throw them in the one win away. But every time they beat Auburn, they're always 9-3. and three. They slip up along the way to Georgia, LSU. Uh, you know, they slip up too. Auburn could be considered that one win away type team. But I think every time they, they when they lose to Alabama, then they're that one win away. But every time they beat Alabama, it's like, <laughs> you slipped up to Georgia in like week four. And then LSU in week six. And then somehow almost lost to Mississippi State in week eight. Like they do that type of stuff. It's like, dude, you're not good enough this year. But then you beat Alabama, ruin their season, which is like, uh, you know, a championship to Tigers fans, but it's not fitting in the tier. It's just not. But I, I think this is a great list. I think, look, I think it's, it, it, it separates, like most people would say, okay, elite, good, elite, great, good, average, below average, terrible. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, hey, Rutgers, you're a garbage program. What's the point of me doing that? My point is, is, is my tiers dissect those top programs. They dissect your, uh, your championship contenders, and then they differentiate between you're always there, but you're not good enough. And then, hey, you need to win one game, and then you're in. I think that's that's fair. I think that's a fair uh, statement that I'm making. Look, Michigan beats Ohio State. And I've I've talked about it on this podcast before. Michigan beats Ohio State. They're in. Penn State, pretty much the same thing. If you get if you beat Michigan, whoo, all you gotta do is beat that Ohio State team, and then if you beat Ohio State, you can afford that slip up to Michigan. Michigan, you've beat the crap out of Penn State before and Wisconsin. Time to beat the big boy in Ohio State. Georgia, uh, Oregon, look, stop slipping up to average Pac-12 teams and then win the Pac-12 title. Because here's the thing with Oregon as well. Oregon is in a little uh, similar situation with Auburn. Oregon goes in and beats the crap out of everybody in the Pac-12 for 12 games, and then they lose the Pac-12 championship. And it's a, it's a hilarious to watch on Saturday night. But then, when they don't beat the crap out of everybody in the Pac-12, they they win the Pac-12 championship at like eight and four. That's 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 the Ducks' problem, similar to what Auburn's problem is. So Oregon's got Oregon's got to put it all together for one season. Auburn's got to put it together for every season. But I think Oregon is more a respectable one game away type of team than Auburn is. Notre Dame. 
you know, I kind of told you, they slip up uh, to hilarious teams along the way. Join a conference, and then you really can afford, like, Notre Dame, you go 11 and one, you're not in. So you're you're constantly one game away. But if you join a conference, go 11 and one. You can be considered. Join the Big Ten. They'll welcome you. Join the ACC. The uh, look, Clemson will be begging you to join if you consider it because they want uh, someone where they don't want analysts calling their schedule cupcakes every year. I'm sure it pisses off Dabo Sweeney in the back of his mind. Or he just laughs hysterically like, <laughs> our conference is so weak. I, I like jokes. Probably not very good at it. Uh, but Notre Dame, join a conference, and then you can you can, you can can afford that slip-up. But for now, you're one win away. And then Florida, just beat Georgia, which I think, I think you're going to do this year. Uh, but um, until you do it, well, sorry. You're still one win away. Coming up, the Tigers name 58 of the 60 players in the player pool. We'll be right back. This is the Jacob Cox Show. Alrighty, welcome back into the Jacob Cox Show for the last segment of the day. The Tigers named 58 players of the 60 in the player pool. Um, and hey, fantastic news. Um, obviously Torkelson should be added to the list, uh, when that deal gets done, which they're saying they're very close to getting done. Um, but let me tell you who's on that list in the player pool. Let me give you the 58 players. Bear, bear with me here. Uh, we'll keep you informed. Left-handed pitchers include Tyler Alexander, Matthew Boyd. Daniel Norris, Nick Ramirez, Hector Santiago, Tariq Skubal, and Gregory Soto. Those are the left-handed pitchers. We jump to the right-handed pitchers. Tim Adelman, Dario Agrazara, uh, oh, Dario Agrazal, Nolan Blackwood, uh, Bay Burrows, Anthony Castro, Xiao Ching Chang, Joe Kisnero. Alex Fiedo, guy I love. Buck Farmer, uh, Michael Fulmer, Kyle Funkhauser, Brian Garcia, Ronnie Garcia, Zach Goodley, Joe Jimenez, Matt Manning, David McKay, Casey Mize, Avon Nova, Franklin Perez, Doe Schreiber, Spencer Turnbull, Jordan Zimmerman. A lot of right-handed pitchers. Catchers include uh, Dylan Dingler, Grayson Griner, Eric Hess, Brady uh, Polacelli, Jake Rogers, Austin Romine. Infielders include Sergio Alcantara, Miguel Cabrera, Jamer Candelario, Harold Castro, Willie Castro, CJ Crone, Brandon Dixon, Nico Goodrum, uh, Dwell Lugo, Jordy Mercer, Isaac Paredes, Jonathan Scope, Frank Schwinwell. Uh, outfielders, Jorge Bonificio, Daz Cameron, Travis uh, Dermot, Riley Green, Derek Hill, Jacoby Jones, Cameron Maven, Victor Reyes, and Christian Stewart. A lot of names. Sure, I didn't pronounce some of them right. Got to work on that. Um, but a couple, 
of these, like, uh, they're not on roster. They're just in this pool. They're, you know, Scooball ain't on the roster. Fayedo ain't on the roster. Manning, uh, Mize, Dingler, Griner, Paredes, Miley Green, not on roster. They're just in the pool. The guys I like that are on roster, Fulmer, McKay, Jake Rogers, Daz Cameron. I, uh, Isaac Paredes is on roster. My bad. That's it. I want to see Fayedo on roster. I want to see Manning on roster. Mize on roster. Dingler, maybe. Call him up. Catch a game or two. I want to see, uh, you know, same thing with Riley Green. Uh, play a game or two. Just one, maybe two. Get an A-B. Go against a young pitcher. Look, I, I had a segment before about making this, uh, you know, uh, Tiger season fun. Making this Tiger season uh, worth watching. This is how you do it. Putting these types of players in the lineup, like Matt Manning. Start him again. Start Mize. Uh, you know, I'm extremely excited to see David McKay. Fajardo. Scooball. You know, if, if Jake Rogers is behind the plate, I'm excited to see if that back gets going. Dylan Dingler. See him for a game. Grayson Griner, uh, let's see what he's got behind the plate. Um, I want to see Isaac Paredes in the field. want to see Daz Cameron in the outfield. You know, uh, those are the guys who I want to see play this season. Those are the guys I think Tigers fans want to see play this season, and it's not rushing them. This is a 60-game season. I'm not asking them to play every day for 162 games. I'm asking them to play one game a series for 60 games. Maybe not even that. Maybe they play you know, a series and then they sit two series off. I don't know. I'm not Rodden Godenhire. I'm not Alavila. But let me tell you right now, I bring these guys up, put them on roster, and put them in games. Some of these guys, uh, you need to know what they are. Like Fayedo, Manning, yeah, it's time. Like, we drafted those guys before Casey Mize by what, one or two years? They should be one or two years ahead of Casey Mize, but now we're going to call them up at the same time? You're waiting for all of them to come up at the same time? That doesn't make any sense. Call them up first. Like, if you're still... Oh, we got to wait for Casey Mize. You don't want to rush him? Okay, it's time to tell Fayedo and Manning it's now or never. They're, they're only getting older here. They're now, what, 23, 24? It's time. It's time to call them up. It is time to put them in the lineup. Now, maybe they, they don't, you know, maybe it's not one every five starts. You've got a ton of right-handed and left-handed pitchers here. And we got expanded rosters. So they don't have to start once every five days. That doesn't have to happen. They could pitch, and then, hey, you're going to go throw a bunch of simulated bullpens, and we'll, we'll, we'll put you back on the bump when we feel you're, you know, we want you again. So it doesn't have to be a, a normal rotation. You know, Zimmerman, throw Zimmerman in there. You'll keep your regular guys, even though I hate watching Jordan Zimmerman pitch because I just think about the deal we gave him and then just like mind blowing. How stupid that was. 
But uh, this is a solution to make the Detroit Tigers in 2020 worth watching. I kind of gave you it already in the last show or two shows ago. That's the solution. And it makes sense. All right. And that's how I round out today's show. I hope everyone enjoyed it. We got into uh, the Detroit Red Wings getting snubbed. Cam Newton signing with the Patriots. How it doesn't do much for him. Uh, we got the tier time in college football. And then we got to this Detroit Tigers segment. Uh, I hope everyone has a great week um, here on Monday the 29th. I hope you guys start your week right. Head into the 4th of July weekend on a high note. I will see everybody Thursday for uh, another edition of the Jacob Cox Show. Hopefully we have uh, more news on anything. Um, hopefully Spencer Torkelson gets that deal inked and into this player pool uh, that has to report on July 1st. Thank you every, uh, again. Thank you for everybody for tuning in, whether on YouTube, watching each segment individually, or on Apple Podcasts, listening to that whole show all together. I appreciate every listener and every view. See everybody on Thursday. This is the Jacob Cox Show. Thank <laughs> you.